Every single day, hundreds of television pilots are aired one time, recorded to VHS tape, and then uploaded to the internet, where they sit for decades, unwatched and unloved. Luckily, there is a podcast that cares. On Piloting Error, each episode, we rescue a forgotten pilot and give it more love than it has ever received. And for less than the price of a cup of coffee, you can help sponsor a poor, neglected, failed television pilot by listening and subscribing. Because if you don't, who will? Piloting Error, a Bridge Burner Collective Podcast. Welcome to Pumpkin Spice Podcast, where Graham and Rob are traveling the United States on the bus to see some of the spookiest spots available. I'm Rob Schulte. With me, as always, is Graham Young. Hey, Graham. Hey, how's it going? Oh, pretty well. Graham, here's the thing. I am... We are almost done with this year's worth of episodes that we're banking, and I still am trying out new opening lines each episode. And I'm okay with it. Okay. Yeah. Well, no, I think it adds a variety to the show. The audience doesn't know what to expect. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, here's the thing. Last episode, I wanted to go down to New Orleans. Yes, which we and did. I, you know, here's the th- you You, not intentionally, but just in talking about this, leading up to this film, you're like, it's not for you. And I didn't think that was going to affect me. I don't think your thoughts on this film really affected me, but I think I had a similar feeling as you watching The Beyond. Yeah. It's a handful of good scenes. Yeah. And before we get into it, maybe I should just read the letterboxed description so no one's lost. Excellent. So, The Beyond, 1981, Beyond Death... Beyond evil, beyond the dreaded gates of hell, a young woman inherits an, an old hotel in Louisiana, in Louisiana, where following a series of supernatural accidents, she learns that the building was built over one of the entrances to hell. Wow. Well, Graham, here's my question for you. How many entrances to hell are there? Well, we grew up or went to college to uh, next to the ninth one. Oh, really? Stole? Stole. So that's the ninth gateway into hell. I don't know what number New Orleans hmm. is or Probably number seven. How, how many gateways there are. Wait, isn't there a movie <laughs> called The Ninth Gate? Yes. That's a Roman Polanski movie with Johnny Depp. And um, I really enjoy Roman Polanski's movies, not the person. Obviously, we don't need to go into this thing. But um, that is not one of his best movies. Mm. And I think. Better than Pirates? uh, Pirates with Walter Matthau? Yeah. I kind of liked that. Wait, that's not Polanski, is it? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. It is. 1986, I think. Wow. Wow. Anyway, we got to talk about the beyond. Well, that's the thing, Rob. Like, we're going to get off track. Sure. Because there's not a lot to talk about. And again, I wanted to get your thoughts on this because I have friends that are like, 
this is a five-star picture. This is one of my favorite movies, my go-to on Halloween night. I'm watching the beyond. And I That's keep, so interesting. I keep on thinking one of these days I'm going to watch it and I'm going to see what they see. <laughs> and I don't, I, 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 I still don't get trouble. it. I had trouble with it. I started it. Um, I took a pause and then I was like, you know what? I'm not giving it the attention it deserves. And so I started it over again and watched it through and it still didn't work for me. Here's the thing though. A lot of interesting set pieces. It looked cool. Some of the gory effects were there and they weren't amazing, but they were fun to watch. But the story was not as tight as it could have been. No, none of the Fulci movies that I've seen are like the stories like are good. And so the funniest thing about the beyond to me is that, so the critics at the time, and I think even now are saying this story doesn't make any sense. And he said that adds to the surrealism. I'm Mm. doing that on purpose. And I think that's mm. not true. Yeah. I feel like that is college film student excuse yeah like no 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 it's low budget on purpose it's like you're telling me if someone offered you millions of dollars to make a movie you wouldn't yeah no on purpose (laughs) Uh, yeah it was all it was all in the works it was all planned that way um yeah it's it's a weird strange movie it's the only movie i've ever seen where a doctor keeps a vat of acid without a lid on on the top shelf uh and just waiting for someone to like knock into it and spill on their head for like a five minute sequence of a melting head you know yeah but you still gave it three stars on letterbox i and that's not me calling you out that's not me saying you know i can't believe you gave it three stars so let's go to my rankings so what does three stars mean three stars means something right yes three stars means good moderately insightful this is my this this is how i rate movies so out of five you have these are your you have a criteria for each star Absolutely. I mean, I could go through and read all of them. I don't want to bore the audience. Sure. But so the three star is good, moderately insightful. And then two and a half stars is imperfect, but worthy, redeemable Mm. qualities, better luck next time. And I think probably I would classify it now after the rewatch as a two and a half star. Oh, Um, interesting. It's it's imperfect, but it feels like it's worthy just because... Um, people love the film and, and I want to love the film. The film will allow me to love the film, but, um, I do think it's worthy and belongs in the history books. It's no Texas gladiators, which is, I think Fulci's best movie, uh, not a horror film, but, uh, it's, you know, it's worth a discussion. Now, Graham, let me ask you a question then. Now, we don't always pit movies against one another, but what would you put this in comparison to, say, a movie like uh, Angel from 1984? Uh, about 
about this. I would put this over Angel, and that's a that's a great example, Rob, because that's another cult film that people go nuts for. And uh, I mentioned that Joe Bob Briggs showed showed that on his show a couple of seasons yeah. past. And um, I'd always heard about the film. You know, you see the VHS cassette yep. when you're at the store. And so watching it, um, you know, in my late 30s, I was just like, had I been 13, this would mm. have been like the best movie ever. But sure. watching it for the first time at like 38, you're like, ah, okay. Yeah, I don't know about this one. Yeah. Yeah. And the beyond, I feel like, has similar qualities. If I would have watched this in my teen years, knowing that like this was some cult classic, classic that kids liked and people liked, and they liked it for one reason or another, I probably would have thought it was cooler than it was, or or more impactful than it was. Yeah, it's it's kind of a nothing film, but I think that makes it the perfect drive-in movie. Because, mm. you know, you're drinking beers, you're on a date or whatever, and you kind of like pull your attention away from your date to see the gory bits, and then you're back to whatever. Yeah. And and so in that regard, it's kind of the perfect drive-in movie, but um, not for me. Uh, Fulci and his Italian crew came to America and shot the film in New Orleans. So uh, that, you know, it, it feels like a New Orleans film. Um, yeah, but probably not the best New Orleans horror film. So next time we come to Louisiana, we will we'll we'll do you all right. Yeah, we'll watch um, Interview with a Vampire or something. Uh, that horny movie. Now, we were Grant, just talking about that, Rob. And I don't mean to cut oh, you really? off, no, but please. I have a quick trivia for you. So Christian Slater replaced an actor. Uh, right before the filming because the actor passed away. Who was that actor? Oh, wow. Uh, River Phoenix? That's exactly who it is. Wow. I just was thinking, like, who died around that time? Yeah. I believe the movie's dedicated to him. I think, well, I feel like I knew that or something. Yeah. Uh, Did you ever happen to see the, any of the remake television show that came out last year? No, I haven't. So everything that happens in the movie and I've never read the book, so I don't know. That's like implied or that you're led to believe about maybe the relationship between uh, Lestat and Louis and all of that. Uh, There is no mystery in the TV show. Okay. There is just... Straight up, here's this, and uh, <laughs> enjoy the ride. Now, there's nothing wrong with that by any means, uh, but I feel maybe it was a case for like when Anne Rice was writing the books and producing the movie that she felt like she couldn't go as far or whatever. But I also feel that sometimes being able to infer things makes something a little bit more fun to discuss. Yeah. It's, you know, it's one of those, it's one of those tight rope walks, right? Mm -hmm. You want to make the story interesting for today's audiences where, uh, people of the now will identify with it. Mm -hmm. Um, but 
you also want to stay true to the artist's original intentions as best as you possibly can, but it is an adaptation. Um, So it's just, it's just an artist interpreting another artist's work. And that's always kind of interesting. But um, what channel was that on? Just curious. I think it was AMC. Okay, cool. Not that we're promoting them. I was just curious. We're just having a conversation. Nope. Nope. I mean, in hell. Put that money in my pocket, AMC. Yeah. We will promote it. Uh, Graham, the one thing, the last thing I would like to say about, oh, short episode today. But yeah, the last thing I'd like to say about The Beyond is it sounds, it's like the perfect story to tell around a campfire, right? It's like, oh, there's a haunted motel and or hotel and it's on the gate from hell and the woman had wide eyes and you couldn't hear her footsteps and... All of these pieces that, you know, you could, it feels like a story, a word of mouth story, but like no one tied those pieces together for the film. Yeah. And if the gore bits didn't exist, this movie would really not be worth too much. And I think that's kind of the major appeal to it is that, I mean, it is gross. I mean, it is, it's cool. But um, as far as, you know, if you're looking for a, a great Southern Gothic with a great story, um, maybe skip the beyond. Yeah. Graham, I got to say, it feels like the bus broke down. The bus one. broke down. But what month is it, Rob? November. And what happens in November? Uh, we have a big old meal. We have a big old and meal. We give thanks. And we're going to give thanks. And so I thought it'd be cool to jump over and do a quick Thanksgiving episode since it's already uh, November. And I'm hoping that you watch this movie. I hope you've seen it. (laughs) What is it? Tell me. Um, We'll be celebrating Thanksgiving in Jacksonville, Florida. When we as we discuss blood rage. Yes, I did watch blood rage and I have watched blood rage. Uh, I had forgotten this was a Thanksgiving film, but now that I, uh, now that you bring it up, yeah, there's cornucopias on people's doors and everyone's home from college. And, you know, one of the greatest lines in all horror films, uh, this ain't no cranberry sauce. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> another, another great line from this movie. I wrote it down the other day or I texted it to you at one point. Um, let me find it real quick. <laughs> um, hey, stop that slice. <laughs> <laughs> Just, uh, oh, and I know exactly what scene that is. That's the scene where they're on the diving board. Yeah, exactly. And, and it's like so not erotic and this this guy is just laying on this poor woman and like his full weight is on her yeah because you can tell board is (laughs) leaning yeah and like look at her face she's like incredibly uncomfortable and she's just waiting for the scene to wrap yeah there's (laughs) there's so many just uncomfortable sex scenes in this movie that are like not very long but also just not shot well and not done in a way that's comfortable like at the beginning of the movie when the dude when when you know terry and todd are young at the drive-in he's like, i want to talk about that yeah hey creep get away um that was hilarious because they are fully naked 
in the car. Yeah. The driver. They're <laughs> but, the creeps. Yeah. They're the creeps. Let me, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll read the letterboxed description of blood rage. 1987. Yes. Uh, this one comes with a tagline. Not all the evil is on Elm street. In 1974, Terry commits a murder and pins it on his twin brother, Todd. Ten years later, Todd escapes from a mental institution on the same day as Terry's murderous instincts resurface. Now, interesting that it says his murderous instincts resurface because that was a big question I had during this movie. Like, what? So this guy hasn't been killing at all? Exactly. Since he was 10 or whatever. Yeah. Um, he just sort of stopped. And then whenever he hears that his brother's around or like the movie would like you to think that he flips out every time he sees like sexual activity, uh-huh. like he can't handle it. So he's got to kill people. So he didn't see any sexual activity for like 18 years. And the first scene we get with him is he's like super horny playing football, you know, yeah. in his like older years. So, He's he's getting around. He's making out. Like yeah, I mean, what you if you if you pull a thread of this film, then the whole <laughs> thing comes apart. But um, if you don't do that, it is kind of a damn good movie, and yeah. it flows. It's like eighty four minutes, so you're just in and out, and yep. it's never boring. The gore effects are pretty awesome. Um, you mentioned a drive in earlier and I did want to discuss something with you real quick because I just had to like keep rewinding it to make sure that I wasn't going crazy. Mm -hmm. So mom is with her boyfriend in the front seat. Two kids, Terry and Todd are asleep in the back seat with a gun. That's what I was going to say. Why? Okay. So they have a rifle laying on top of the boys then yeah. it cuts back and the rifle's gone and we never yeah. see it again. And it was almost like the filmmakers made a choice and then we're like, oh no, that's stupid. And then, but they had to use that one shot. Yeah. I just assumed it was a toy because, you know, I, I'm watching a lot of older films right now. And like one, for ex- example, that comes together or comes to me is a uh, terror in Beverly Hills with Frank Stallone. Yes. And like, there's a kid with like a toy Uzi on a plane. Like, so I was just thinking that like, maybe these kids are just have their toys with them, but also, yeah, I noticed when it was there and then when it was gone. So what's going on? Yeah. Like, I'm so glad that you caught that too. Cause the first time I saw that, like, I was just like, Whoa, that's crazy. Um, it's so if you're like photographing that, if you're the cinematographer mm-hmm. and you frame up the shot and you have boys sleeping and there's a, a blanket on them mm-hmm. and then over the, on the blanket is a shotgun or rifle. I can't remember. And I'm thinking like you have to ask yourself, what are you doing in this shot? Yeah. Like, it's almost like Chekhov's gun. Like, are we going to see that used or? And then it wasn't. (laughs) And not only was it not used, um, I don't think the killer ever uses a gun. He uses a machete. He uses a machete and like a tuning fork. A tuning fork, yes. Or sorry, a a carving fork. Yes. Um, Here's the thing. Man, to be the condom salesman 
at the drive-in. That guy was seemed to be making a killing. And you know who that guy is, right? He looked familiar. It's but... Ted Raimi. Okay. Of it's Sa- it Sam Raimi's brother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From Xena Warrior Princess. It's it's funny because like um I'm looking on Litterbox and they kind of give him top billing. Well, not not top top billing, but just but like, like he's, he's mentioned. Of, yeah, he's and one he's, of the bigger names in the film, and he's in it for like five seconds. Yeah, weird. Yeah, I know. But I was like, oh, that's Ted Raimi. Okay, bye, Ted Raimi. Bye, Ted Raimi. And he just never comes back. Yeah, man. So here's the thing I liked about Blood Rage. It. Did it, well, first of all, it did have like an alternate title at one point in time, right? Like Slasher or something. Uh, yeah. In fact, I had that pulled up. Give me just one second. Well, I think that it... It is so of its time, being that it is 1987 and trying to just create a Slasher film. <laughs> but... It fails in ways that are hard for me to put my finger on. Yeah. Right? Like you said, like if you pull the thread, it kind of comes apart pretty easily. But I think that's also because they tried to put too many scenes in the movie. Yeah. If they would have... So right at the beginning when when it's flash forwards to current day, we get this scene where the mom's visiting Todd with the therapist and she brings him his piece of pumpkin pie but like it immediately cuts to a voiceover from the therapist that like really takes you out of the scene, but probably moves the scene along a lot better because we get some exposition. But then there's the whole scene of him like squishing the pie between his fingers. And it's just some weird editing choices that Throws were like, it against the wall. Yeah. And it's that either do the therapist exposition narration or show us the scene. Well, I thought that she was going to be a, the narrator throughout the entire film, and then she gets killed. Yep. And it could have worked if we had some sort of like doctor's notes the whole time. Yeah. But we don't get any sort of thought process or anything between all of this. And then it, it the way it ends without spoiling it is so lackluster like are we supposed to believe that the mom thought this the whole time like the clues were all there mr police officer um yeah and then i I just didn't buy it the climactic ending yeah at the pool yeah that's Uh, what i'm saying yeah 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 yeah. like (sighs) yeah it's there there are some good ideas it's just never really weave together yeah it's not executed in a way that could make for a coherent film but it's so much better than say watching like thanksgiving on thanksgiving yeah like you know it's the only like really good uh uh thanksgiving horror film that i could recommend to someone white meat dark meat it all gets carved yeah well um, i wish that was a real movie i guess there are rumors that that is going to be made now oh wow well and you think about like how much time that took uh that grindhouse trailer came out in 2007 yeah 
And that so, was the Eli Roth trailer, right? Yes. I'm looking it up right now. Because I 2023, think, it looks like. So they are doing it. Well, it's announced or it's in it's in pre-production. It's in some sort of production. Yeah, looks like there's a cast, but I don't know. I'd love to see it. I'd love to. What was the last Eli Roth movie? Um. Well, he did that movie with Keanu Reeves. And I don't know. Anna, Anna Damaris about the two women, the guy's house, the guy's wife leaves the house. Then the two women come over, see their house, their cars broke down and they stay at his house. And Oh, I don't know it. Okay. But I mean, I'm not, I'm just, that just means I need to do my research. Um, it looks like Thanksgiving is in post production. Okay. So, so it's happening. It's happening. Anyway, back to blood rage. Um, looks like the director only did one other film, Scalpel, John Grismer. Yeah. And he doesn't even look, he kind of looks like a square. If you like, yeah. look at a picture of him, like he doesn't look like a guy making horror movies. Yeah. He almost looks like Garrett Grant. Um, anyway, any final thoughts here on blood rage, Graham? Well, I'm glad that you mentioned the gun. Um, uh, I mean, it's just such a weird place to go. I got it. Okay. That's why this movie doesn't work is because it has an unresolved Chekhov's gun. Like you said, is this going to be Chekhov's gun? It's like you showed it to me in the first act and then you never showed it to me again, metaphorically or, or for real. But it's just like so weird to see sleeping children next to a gun. You know, it's just, yeah. so, it's just while such their a, mom makes out right next to them. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, it's just such a weird, it's such a weird movie that doesn't make any sense. Um, the characters, was the in, mom, the grandma in Requiem for a dream. Okay. So that's Ellen Bernstein. Oh. Um, but I was looking her up. Her name's Louise laser. Yeah. I just, she's in Requiem. I just didn't know. Who um, she wasn't it? She, I, I recognize her from something. I, it, it may be like the Bob Newhart show mm. or something that I recognize her from. Or Mystery Men or Frankenhooker. She's in a bunch of stuff because you, like, if you've seen enough movies, you'll recognize yeah. the mom. Yeah. Anyway, Graham, do we, I, I might have cut you off there. Anything else you'd like to say? Okay. So, um, we have just really quickly. So we have one actor playing two characters, mm-hmm. one actor playing twins. And uh, to the movie's credit, they do a decent job of disguising that when they're at the end fight scene where, the, where Terry and Todd fight each other. I thought they did an okay job. Of, Aside from the wig, it's fine. Yeah, like certain angles, unless you were like really concentrating on it. Okay, so that they did an okay job with that. Um, I did think that the blood and gore effects were really cool. Yeah, um, yeah. And um, it's not cranberry sauce. Yes, uh, which is one of the greatest lines ever. And I think had this movie been a minute longer, it would have overstayed its welcome. Oh, yeah. But it's yeah. in and it's out. It doesn't give the audience much time to think about 
how the movie doesn't make sense because there's always something happening. Yeah. Yeah. And to the movie's credit, like I think most horror film fans could watch blood rage and be like, Oh, that's a good movie. Yeah, sure. I'll put it on Halloween, Thanksgiving for grandma. Yeah. Your grandma. <laughs> it's good to just have it. You know what? It, I, I don't want to disrespect the movie, but it is good to have horror movies that can be played in the background at like a Halloween party. Yes. You know, that you don't necessarily like, and I, I, this is no disrespect. I won't name names, but someone did invite me to a Halloween party once where they're like, Hey, we're gonna watch evil dead. And I thought it was going to be a, like, it'll be on. Oh yeah. But then they like turned off the lights. And at the time, I don't think I had seen evil dead, but I was also like, it was a cramped apartment and I Uh didn't have a good seat. And I was like, I don't, this is not how I want to watch this movie. Yeah. And so parties should be parties. Yes. And movie time should be movie time. And generally the movies that you play in the background at a party are are things that you've seen before, like Evil Dead or things that if you haven't seen, it's not going to be a big deal if you see it in the background and then watch it later, like Blood Rage. Totally. Totally. Uh, well, Graham, should we inspect the bus tickets? Yes, unfortunately. And we're always working hard. And I want, um, any of the listeners out there, if we missed your state, if we missed a horror film that you're crazy about from a certain state, let us know and we'll try to get to it. Great. Um, well, Graham, I will talk to you soon and, uh, Have a merry Thanksgiving. Yes, I'll see you in New Jersey.